This is TPU Podcast, a podcast about entertainment issues. Three, two, one, and then the we'll, like we'll the Ninja Kabuki, kabuki where someone just says Kabuki and like, uh, Kabuki. Like last one, like you gotta drink. <laughs> oh, last Kabuki has. Oh, round. we need to do that. We need to do the drinking game ourselves while we're recording the show. That'll make it more interesting. It's not even midday here, but it's never <laughs> stopped me before. Definitely, Andrew. Now that my jet setting is done, that's exactly what we're going to do for the walking. Oh. At least, yeah. That's, Andrew had this idea that we were just going to start drinking beer and do like the entire series in a sitting. Do like, then, like five we'll hours get, like, doing it. We'll get like 20 episodes, <laughs> but by the end it'd be like, God damn it, Andrea, come on! Yeah. <laughs> just just that? to the guilt. Is that a zombie? Uh, like, that's like There's zombies in this show. There's zombies in this show. full of heads! There's something important you need to know. <laughs> Like, if, if there's any one red flag in a relationship, it's a guy with a fish tank full of heads. Some people are into that. You've got a mannequin. Oh, he's nice to me. <laughs> you know how many yeah. human heads I have? Zero. And while I said zero, I held up a finger like I had one. <laughs> it's a good thing you guys can't see me. Why is that the it's symbol for zero? Is that good Freudian? visual joke there on the podcast. Technically, I have one human head. Everyone should. Birder, 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 birder. Blue moon. Oh, God. All right. So you're listening to TV Ate My Dinner. Are we starting? I've been recording for almost 20 minutes. (laughs) You boys, catch up. I told you to start over. I told you I was not going to start over. We're breaking into your broadcast to bring you a special bulletin. This is how it is. Well, yeah, once we start, no, we don't stop. I'm Australian. I'm Greg. Oh, Greg Yay. is here, and Andrew is here, and Lynn is here. Hey. And Lynn, you can't shut yeah. her up. Gary may be joining us later. Wonderful. No, maybe you can all talk about dipshit dads and gremlins for another hour. <laughs> Apparently, the, the Gremlins was supposed to be a full-on hardcore horror film. And when they started making it, they realized there was more of a mainstream appeal. But, like, originally, like, they were saying, like, they ate the dog and threw the mother's head down the stairs. It was supposed to be just, a, like, a full-on B-movie horror film at first. 
And you can see there's still some dark elements. I remember as a kid when the gremlins start running around, and there's a point in the movie where the mom takes out a butcher knife to go after one of these gremlins, and someone in the theater just screamed. The idea that that made it too real, that that she was going to go after one of these things with a kitchen knife. They're like, holy God. Yeah, because they're like a weird big size, you know, like meaty and... You have to cut, yeah, yeah, they, they freaked me out when I was a kid. Gremlins, a, a remake of Gremlins yeah, scary. that it was darker would be a lot of fun because there is something very creepy and interesting about, about I think that. you could do it these days because these days things are getting really self-aware, but not in the sort of meta way of the 90s. But things are – I've been noticing this trend when you're going back to these uh, these hot, these um, creature films – there's the Sharknado was like this and that they're all like, oh, we're trying to be silly and we're trying to be, you know, bad movies. Yeah, and with the Sharknado, I think it works. I think with Gremlins, if you're going to go back to that, you should be more serious just because they already did that in Gremlins too. Well, I think the one brilliant. allows for the other where people are becoming more aware of what's going on. So it allows for these darker movies that are coming out, more serious horror movies that are coming out. Yeah, I think it's, it's like weird. a balance is going on at the moment. And it's weird to see where they find that balance because, like we said, you got a cabin in the woods that plays the Evil Dead thing perfectly. But then you have yeah. the Evil Dead where they're trying to be straightforward. It's like, but you see, we've already seen how this can't work as a straightforward <laughs> horror film. So it is fun to see where they, they sort of feed each other that way. Because sometimes it works. I like I like straightforward horror films, but I also like campy. It, it's just knowing which one you're making is the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I reckon a dark Gremlins could be good. I think it'd be a lot of fun, actually. That, that to me, is a good idea. They're talking about bringing the Critters back, so who knows? Well, they're the same thing. Critters was the most popular of the Gremlins ripoffs. Is what there was a bunch of Gremlins ripoffs when Gremlins was. Popular. They had bigger teeth. Critters, well, because you had the Chiodo brothers, who were the effects artists who designed the critters. They just made them these cool-looking little buggers. Like it, every, every movie monster is defined by how cool it looks. It's like that's what where it lasts. If you think of every monster movie that that didn't really strike with audiences, because it didn't create a monster that that really hit people. You know, that was cool and iconic. The critter is iconic. It's a cool little yeah. little, little monster. As is Gremlin. <clears throat> yeah, and you know, but ghoulies don't last quite as well because it was just <laughs> that was just them trying to make some kind of Is that the same horror. name for a different movie? <laughs> yeah. So in these things they all got the same names now. All ghoulies had going for it was when the one popped out of the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing that. But that happened in a couple of movies, didn't it? Well, the Ghoulies kept doing yeah. it because that was their signature move after that film. Because I remember seeing, I remember seeing a cover with something popping out of a toilet, and I always thought it was Gremlins movie, but was I was really little at the time. I saw Ghoulies in the theater when I was a kid, the first one. I don't <laughs> think the other ones were in the theater, but I didn't see Ghoulies go to college. It's weird watching all these. Like, <laughs> if you watch like. The Nightmare on Elm Street things are just movies. When I was a kid, just seeing the boxes at the store, I'm like, ooh, don't want to see that. That's going to scare me. When I was like six yeah, or something. Yeah, that was enough to be scary. And then you watch these movies, like, none of these are scary at all. Like, they have, I know. They have well, strange yeah, things. Yeah, I deliberately funny, I didn't watch Nightmare on Elm Street when I was younger because I thought it would scare me. Yeah. And watching it now, I'm like, eh, okay. 
Like these are. Well, a what's joke. funny is <laughs> is uh, you see that box, and you can always tell. And it used to be this way with I used to like like Conan kind of sword and sorcery movies, and it was the same way with those where they have this really really well developed painted movie poster cover. Yeah. And then and on the back there would the be movie. either no pictures or one big picture of nothing. And you're like, so you have no idea going into this what this movie looks like at all because you just see this beautifully painted cover. And that's the way horror movies were. They'd have like these big, scary-looking monsters and things and whatever on the box. But, you know, the movie was shot on like 8mm. <laughs> they never lived up to those box covers. I miss that. In today's world, I mean, we still have Blu-ray and stuff like that, so the box cover thing, but you don't have movies that are made with the box cover for the video store in mind. You know, like, there were rent-me box covers, and you don't really need those anymore because... Well, they still they still do them. I still go to the like video box. I still see ones that are... I still see... see uh, I think mainly it's with the covers that just completely rip off other movies so that you just... You think it's the same one. Like the <laughs> Alien versus prey or whatever the stupid one was hunter hunter yeah there was there was one um that was called something really like trapped in a box and it was just the just complete it was completely ripped off of the picture of the one with ryan reynolds in it (laughs) yeah i may have seen a preview for that because that's the same box the same thing and there's really no need to rip off that movie except i guess it's a cheap concept yeah, if you're someone in a box, we could do that. This guy in a box. We can make a movie with a guy in a box. Oh, we'll do it differently. This one's got a girl in a box. This will be a girl in a box, yeah. Yeah, better. We'll do that this At some point, she'll rip her clothes off. It'll be awesome. Oh, it would be awesome. Now we got a movie. <laughs> we didn't have that in the Wait, we're film. back to the Naked Pagans. I'm interested now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, see? I could write movies. I know what makes you guys interested. <laughs> yeah, really? Well, that's what we were saying before. Is like, boobies always gets the interest, but you can't just make a movie that's nothing but boobies. It's, there has to be this sort of ebb and flow. You gotta, you gotta break it I was out complaining. when it broke out. I was complaining to Ben last night. I watched <clears throat> Super Shark, which was a pretty funny movie. And then I was like, and then they just stop for ten minutes to have this uh, bikini competition. And Ben's like, I can't see the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and <laughs> that's structurally sound. Yes, of course. <laughs> a standard procedure. No, continue. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, you have to know when when to do it and when not to do it and, and when not to say you're going to do it and not do it. There's lots <laughs> of rules. They're simple rules, but but not everybody follows them. <laughs> the, the shower scene where she takes the robe off and then you just cut to You see her picture. feet? Yeah. They pan up and then they cut away like it's a TV cut or something. It's like, what are you doing? Why this is a movie? Why, why, why did we? Because there's no story element that requires the shower. Why did we do the shower if we're not going to do the shower scene? Why are we? Why do we care what our personal hygiene is? It's it's even funnier when they like pretend to work it in. I it was that Kate Hudson movie where she um they kept showing a lot of shots of her in her undies, and I was listening to the commentary and they were saying it was really important that we showed how pretty her body is because the whole idea is the witch wants to take over her body, so we had to really focus on all of how nice her body was. And I was like, yeah. I love it. <laughs> the justification for that. That's like how directors talk actresses into doing dumb things. Well, that's what I always wonder when you watch stuff. I mean, if you, I mean, we've all shot stuff before and you've had like little shorts and stuff and 
<laughs> I always see shots now from that perspective when you're they're doing this like pan up somebody's midriff and other stuff. Like, what did they tell her? It's like, all right, we're just gonna get your midriff. It's just kind of awkward and really weird. If you're like, we're just gonna get your midriff. We're gonna kind of focus on your boobs for a second. I mean, I was listening to a podcast yesterday that was talking about getting girls in for crank when they had these girls who were naked in bubbles or something like that. And they were like, how are we going to get girls to do this? And they just put an ad in the newspaper or whatever it was, wanted girls to be naked in bubbles. And they said they got a thousand hits in an hour. Yeah. So well, that's, yeah, yeah, dude, that's the way to do it. Cause that's what's funny. Like, just cause say it up Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard were saying that for the cabin in the woods thing is that, that they're, they're very embarrassed about like, cause they have a nude scene in that and they're like, but luckily. Yeah. And the girl's the like, girl's have you like, seen Underbelly? She didn't care. Yeah. Have you seen my other work? Like, no. Yeah. I've seen Underbelly. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but it's still she just awkward. Care. I mean, no, but I'm, I'm going to. I mean, I imagine if you got a bunch of like extras and like they understand the score, but then you have the actress or the lead people there in the movie. It's like, yeah, you're going to have to be naked. You know, and they might agree to it, but it's still just. I think, Very yeah, strange. at some point you have to It definitely to has to be it. up front. It has to be in the beginning with the contract. But then you have to have the scene where you're like, okay, I guess it's time for that scene. All right, break them, break them down. Which is weird because I've actually shot scenes, I've shot scenes like that and it is awkward. Like we actually, <laughs> on a project, we I wasn't, not on a project I directed, but I actually did do that and, and, and it's very awkward. Especially when you're working with a director who doesn't feel awkward about it. You want to raise the level of awkwardness. I just did Calendar Girls, which is a play where the girls spend at least a whole scene naked on stage. Yeah, see, that's very interesting to me. That's <laughs> to, a whole different level that's of awkwardness. a totally awkward. different level. I guess you, and all the women were over fifty. People are just just old naked women. Well, but see, I still think I just I I think I come from more of a shot planning perspective. If you're going over shots with people, and it's just kind of a weird. Those things have it in movies. This like, is the one pretty... where we're going to come down, pan over your nipples. Yeah, it's like we're going to, you know, I want to get a close-up. Because, I mean, even just on a very pragmatic level, you have to plan out your day and go over what the schedule is. Like, all right, we're going to get your two shots. We're going to come back after lunch and get close-ups on each of you. Mm-hmm. And then, then get the, the wide. shots. Yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and <laughs> now we're going to have a whole two-hour setup of lights and stuff just to get you, you know, your pelvic yeah, region exactly. here. So. You're going to need some extra takes for coverage. We're gonna have to put some, yeah. We're gonna have to do some spritzer to get some glistening going, and but I can say you're gonna wonder about that in the um when those films where they do the you know their artistic sex scenes where it's just you know the shine off the midriff and that sort of thing they just go along. <laughs> or that that remember in uh, Love Actually where they had the two people who met because they were being stand-ins for the naked actors <laughs> to test the lighting, just naked pretending to bonk. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's all awkward. Every bit of it is awkward. But that's to me. But I can say that becomes a clinical exercise very quickly because once yeah. that's over with, you're just like, okay, and then you stand over there and blah, 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 blah. So I can understand that. What's even weirder to me is the actual sex scene. Like, like that's <laughs> got to be even more awkward for everybody. I don't know how they do them in movies at all. I really don't. Well, that's what I'm saying from a creation scene. standpoint. Yeah, they're it's not like really you, having sex. <laughs> if you're in the crew... Would it, would it be weirder to just have a real sex scene I there? I think it would like, be more normal. Have sex. I think that would be... We'll film it. It's just weird because... That we all know where we stand with where, where, what we're doing here. I mean, I, maybe it's just from a director or writer standpoint. Because if you're the crew and you want to do that stuff, it's, oh, we got to do it. It's in the script. You know, it's like, well, the actor's like, yeah, we agreed to it, but it's, we got to do it. You know, it's kind of what it is. But the director has to actually come in and say, we need a little bit more humpy hump here. Yeah, or he's like saying, I created this. 
I want this to be in there. Yeah, I, it's my, my choice vision. for this to I, be in yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I insisted on this. We're here because of me today. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's been this has been a couple of commentaries where I've heard people talking about that, like where they're like, okay, now like uh, hump him hard or something like that, and the actors turn around. And it's like, come on, we know how to do this. <laughs> be very strange. It's, it's just awkward. Yeah, exactly. It's hard enough when we're in the musical society, and sometimes you know, it's musicals. People have to have a kiss, and it's it's really awkward with people who just you know are friends or barely know each other. It's like now you two kiss. Barely know each other would be better than friends. That's yeah, more I, sometimes. Yeah, that's where it gets a little weirder. The guy turns around and goes, I've never kissed anybody who wasn't my fiancé before. <laughs> You're like, oh. Yeah, that's a bad line to be <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah, I'm sure that makes the girl feel really great. <laughs> She's like, it's true. Oh, you must be so good at it then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm glad he got into acting because there's things I can't tell him. I watched that 1408. I've never seen that before. John Cusack. Oh, I didn't and, like that movie. And he's just like dipshit dude in that movie. He's like, this is not real. This is not real. It's like, it's kind of a weird. There's some there's some freaky things about it. There, that's, even about this Nightmare on Elm Street, there's always good parts. That's why the horror movies are fun because like, that's a cool idea. That's why I think that's going to be a fun retrospective cause because visually, uh, very imaginative, a lot of the stuff that happens. Story-wise, yeah, like, not always. But, and that's what you get out of these movies. Cool. <laughs> like, like the Nightmare on Elm Street where it goes to the factory and the I said the second one and the dogs just have human faces. I'm like, what the hell is this? Have? Yeah. And like, yeah, and but that's it, the best scene in the movie. And stuff in like 1408 when he's in that room and all of a sudden the... <laughs> The, uh, the clock radio just turns to this countdown. You're like, what's going to happen at the end of that countdown? That's like a really freaky idea, I think, if you're in a I room. liked 1408. I, think, I didn't mind it. I think it's kind of a neat idea. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was actually a neat idea. It's a neat idea, but I, it just didn't play. I think it would have made it probably a better short film. Probably well, it was a short, a short story. story. Yeah, that's true. It's, yeah, it would have probably It's a Stephen really... King short story. Always do is they take I always short think Stephen King short stories work better. Because, because, I mean, short because they just take a weird concept. Just, it's like Twilight Zone. A short story just sets up the idea without having to follow through. That's why yeah. they're always yeah. more awesome because everything's a cool idea. I that's think like that, be, what, button, button? What was that, that box? movie where yeah the box yeah you've complained about that, that was before. because it's such a perfect example it's like as well, a story perfect but then you flesh out into a movie horrible well that's why there needs to be i mean there needs to be like a mid film or something <laughs> a mid short film because that's why twilight zone yeah. episodes are great because usually people say short and it's like four or five minutes ten minutes and it's not enough time sometimes well, but it's like those hor- films where they have bits and pieces in the one film like the vhs or something yeah. like that where it's like a film length but it's got a couple of you know yeah, short ones and, in it and yeah i think if you had a sometimes they tend to be up and down most though. horror movies if you made them 30 minutes long like a twilight zone episode it'd be great and you're like wow well, that was really, pretty yeah. neat between like four, do a 40 to 60 minute movie and there's a lot right. of movies that suck that would actually 60 be awesome minutes, yeah 60 minutes i mean they just can't they don't make movies under like 86 minutes there's not 85 minutes they yeah they should though because if 60 minutes are what most horror movies should be it should be 60 minutes and you're like that was solid amazing. Well, they should That's do why TV's this... so good now. People are like, the three videos are great. I say, yeah, because they only yeah. do 44 Cause, minutes. Because it has, yeah, it does perfect. It's a perfect attention well, span They should time. use like, that medium now, because you've got all that cable out there that's not necessarily like commercial. Like, they should be producing that kind of stuff for HBO and Showtime. Like, 60-minute films. And like, and blocking in 60-minute increments is a perfect amount of time. Yeah, because you have like a five, you have like a six-act structure, you know, you have like teasers. It's easy to do, and it's already structured out, and that's why TV's so effective now, because you follow that, and it's it's enough it's of a of good writers going to TV. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, writers get get respected on TV. Well, they run the show. Yeah, on TV. yeah. The writers run things, and then and then they have no say at all in movies. That's so weird. I would hate being a movie writer. I was watching. I watched Blade Runner for the first time the other day, and. I, I watched the uh, behind the scenes and they were talking about how this one writer had, you know, been in it from the beginning and he was like in love with the project and they just said, oh, we've got someone else in. Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> he didn't it. even know about it like afterwards and he was just like, oh, my world was dying. Well, that's what's weird about that. They have um, Tom Lennon, that Ben Grant, those comedians, the Reno guys and they're a bunch of stuff now, but they are like really successful screenwriters. You know, they wrote, they've written a bunch of movies and on oh, like these weird family movies and stuff. And those guys are pretty raunchy. <laughs> they wrote like Herbie Unloaded, you know, the one with Lindsay Lohan. They wrote <laughs> Night at the Museum. They wrote a bunch of, but then other movies, they did Starsky and Hutch, the remake. So they've done a bunch of different things, but they've been, they've had like 12 scripts produced into big movies. And they're always, that's, they did a book like, you know, writing for fun and profit or whatever, or <laughs> screenplays or, but yeah. They, that's one of their one of their rules. He's like, you will get fired. It doesn't matter. On every project, you will get fired. Even if you you wrote yeah. the script, you're gonna get fired. The best you can do is, all right, thank you, and walk out the door because they're gonna <laughs> hire you back two writers later to fix what they messed up. Yeah, it's just the way they work at yeah. the moment is that they have a, they have a script and then they bring someone in to fix it and then they bring someone else in to do something else on it and it's just the process that works there. Is they want more than one writer. Yeah, but it's, it's, like, it's not personal. They, you just will get fired. It's like they it's actually emphasize <laughs> the importance of the story. We've said that before, like the Lindelof thing about these are the things that have to happen in a movie. It's like that's fine, but it's because it's so much about spectacle that they don't care about story. They're looking for people who can deliver a certain amount of what they're looking for in the right way. So the story is irrelevant. It just has to have, it has to have these elements and it has to deliver them in this way. And that's what they're looking for. And they think going from writer to writer will do that. But a movie is always confused and, and weird when it's had that many writers. And we talked about, well, I think there's a way to do it. And the way to do it is like TV does it like, I'll just Breaking Bad just ended last night, and you guys probably heard it. it's like amazing. That show will go down as like the best show. That's why now you got to watch. That is the show. funniest thread on the forum I where you people are talking about what's in the show, episodes. and we haven't watched it. <laughs> I, have, I have watched six episodes of Breaking it's Bad. It's a teddy bear. What? And the, yeah, like, and I don't think that show kicks in until like in the third season. I think the first two seasons are all right. I mean, they're kind of set up for what the show becomes. It's clockwork machinery. But, like, even to, to the finale, that's, like, the most satisfying finale I've ever seen. And just because, and I talked about this last time, that show is so tight, but it's because you have a bunch of writers, but it's different. From TV, they just, one after another, it's like, it'll make better. You just prove what that guy did. But they're not seven writers in a room together breaking that story. And that's why, like, Breaking Bad and some other shows that are great, and even Game of Thrones, that's, like, two people, though, I guess, but... You have writers working in collaboration, like a lot of them, like really focusing and critically yeah. thinking about a story and the ins and outs, and that's why. And together, you're always smarter when you're together right. with other people. Well, because the you thing can is have too, people. The, the, it's always carried by a writer too. Like a showrunner is always a writer. Right. The problem yeah. with movies is, and the, that and the head writers become the producers. Not all directors are, are writers or understand the writing process. They're good visually and they're good technically, but that's where Prometheus comes from. It's like, it's very frustrating for people because you got Ridley Scott, who's a genius, but at the same time, he can't just let writers write either. Well, that's what's, but that's yeah. just so weird though, because 
In TV, it's considered the complete opposite because, like in in a movie, the directors are the auteur, and then the writers are like the journeyman. And in TV, it's the ex- exact opposite. The directors are the ones that can just pop onto anybody any can direct in TV. Right. They bring their styles in to direct half the time. Mm-hmm. It's like we don't care who's directing. Yeah. Just somebody put somebody put the camera. Good for on. practice. Yeah, we've got this worked out. Any idiot can direct. And this. the showrunner, who is a writer, who is the head writer, is the one that has all the power. This is the That's auteur. What, yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting, and then you get things like. I mean, you get things like Breaking Bad, you get things like Game of Thrones, you get things, those two guys are writers, you know, not director, you know, I mean, they directed, that one guy directed yeah. one this year, but you get stuff that's actually because worked the impo- out. the important thing is about the story. Right. Yeah. Whereas in movies, they don't care about the story, they care about the spectacle. And, you, and about the making of the money. And the story can work. Well, see, what makes me mad is, and is it, you can get the spectacle and still have the story. But their argument is, like, the studios are, yeah, but we can deliver the spectacle without the story and still make money. So yeah, we don't exactly. have to – we don't have to have eight guys in a room agree on what the best story is. We have to have these things happen that we can put in the trailer. Right, and that's why it has to work. But when you have a show like <laughs> a Breaking Bad show or like a – I mean, Game of Thrones can – not really because it is about spectacle in a lot of ways, but – it could be about spectacle as far as, but you have these just character-driven shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad, or they they can be about they they can't rely on any kind of spectacle. I mean, stuff that does happen in like Breaking Bad that's amazing, like oh my gosh! But if that show is not solid like character-wise, it just sinks. Nobody cares because it's boring. If you it, can't just break out a dragon right, every now and then yeah. and have people watch. It's yeah. just boring at that point. I mean, Walking or Dead boobs. is the easiest thing. That's what's so funny. Boobs. It's like people are so like. Breaking Bad, it got the biggest ever. It's 10 million. I mean, like, so many people. It's like Zeitgeist. It's all over SNL, all over this stuff all week. It's, I mean, it's like it hit that kind of cultural, critical point. Yeah, I've read all about it, and I don't even watch the show, and it's, like, not even on here at the moment. Yeah, and it's a huge thing, and they got more than they've ever gotten by a large shot, 10 million. Walking Dead, you don't even hear about Walking Dead on normal mainstream press. They pull in 14 million a night, any episode. Just because it's like <laughs> zombies, I mean, I'm going to watch that. It's soap opera zombies, yeah. whatever. <laughs> like you just have people not even worrying about it and watching it. So, which because well, because that's a show that brings spectacle. Yeah, right. Yeah, and they don't bother with the characters as much. Did you hear that they're going to do a um, new one, which is I think is really interesting. They're going to keep this one, but they're going to do a spinoff series, which Double is just painted. in that world somewhere else. That's just like the Vampire idea. Diaries. Yeah, and yeah, it's but just, just like the Vampire Diaries. I mean, Kirkman's involved with it. Just being nothing but ads for this Vampire Diaries spinoff on my TV. Oh, really? and I was like, <laughs> oh, I didn't watch the first bad vampire thing. I'm not going to watch the second bad vampire thing. What's this? I saw this a vampire tra- pregnant I saw with your child. A thing for a Vampire Academy. <laughs> That's a good yeah, idea. All, now you're getting all the hanger-ons of people like this vampire <laughs> thing's big, right? Oh, speaking of vampires, <laughs> I watched Byzantium the other day. By what? Anyone seen Byzantium? No. Oh, I can't talk about it then. It's vampires. Eh, it's. I've never even heard of it. It's 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 um really oh I've I've been all over it. Uh, it's about these two female vampires and they're really different people and they're like a mother and daughter and they're sort of tracking around in this world and the the male vampires don't think they should exist because they think it should be a brotherhood with no females. And they track them and hunt them and it's about what they have to do to keep surviving and. There is a love story, but it's sort of – it's not – the central thing is about how they survive and their story. It's a very different type of vampires. They're not bite vampires. Well, they they, they feed, but it's not transmitted by biting. It's It's got this uh, whole ceremony and stuff. It's got some very, very beautiful imagery. It's 
uh, directed by the guy who did Interview with a Vampire. This is a movie? But it's very different. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like Interview with a Vampire. I would give it a watch. I think the ending cops out a little bit because it ends sort of how I expected it would. I thought, given the darkness of the film, I thought it might go in a different direction with the ending, but uh, apart from that, I thought it was beautiful. And the people in it are really good. I saw that Beautiful Creatures movie. You seen that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. People yeah. And, oh, yeah, you got to watch it, Andrew. It's... It's a foghorn Fauntleroy all the way. Nobody can catch a leprechaun, but you can catch lucky charms at your neighborly store. It's a charming cereal, simply charming. TV Ate My Dinner presents. The snow, I say, the snow's so deep, the farmers have to jack up the cow so they can milk them. We don't take too well to rejection. We've been known to react harshly. Playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life. You think we'll live happily ever after? The Foghorn Fauntleroy Accent yeah. Achievement Award. You see something bad? I always like having birthdays, but never one so much as this because you're all so kind to me. Let go of the day. Go out back tonight, but the steak is thick and juicy. Let's get this party started! <laughs> yeah, that southern get... accent that he breaks oh out. Oh my god, you can barely get through the first five seconds of the movie. Oh, I, was, like I almost Carolina. turned it off as soon as the accent came out. I'm like, is this going to be through the whole movie? Oh my god, yeah. Really? The, the, kid, the main kid has this terrible accent, and then Jeremy so Atkins is there doing his horrible southern accent the whole thing my name and, is and all these... <laughs> that's what it sounds like and all of the characters are so exotic and out there and it's crazy yeah and they got like the Tim Burton house or whatever that they live in it's, uh, yeah. it's just bad it's so bad visually there's some interesting things I like Emmy Rossum <clears throat> she's cool I, I love her and things but she's too in the scenery as well like everyone is in this movie and, and you know I like I think these her best little, moment is the bit where she turns bad that's a cool little moment when these teeny bopper little movies you know these little love stories I, I don't mind them but but the, the southern thing is very difficult to get yeah to. that's always really hard what's so funny about it is like the, I mean as much as we rag on Walking Dead I think Walking Dead did a pretty does a pretty good job yeah because Those they get guys, real people. And they're not Southern for them, you know, but they do a good job. I mean, the Shanghai, I always say this before, but the Shanghai is so impressive to me as a Southern accent. And because it, it's just mannerisms and everything, he's just so, like, oh, he's just so just exhausted by everything. And that's like, a, that's part of the Southern spirit, <laughs> is being exhausted by everything spiritually and physically and mentally. <laughs> I mean, Rick does a uh, Andrew Lincoln does an all right job as Rick. He's just a little more. He, he ends up coming off as being a little slow. He's like, British, he talks, isn't like he? he has a speech impediment a little bit because he's like you're talking a little too choice in your words. You know, it's just a, it's strange. And who's but, the guy that plays uh, Daryl? Oh, I think he's actually name that kid. Southern. From... I mean, I think his voice is actually like that though. It's hard to tell like because he's like, you know, he's in Boondock Saints where he's Irish and I've seen him in other stuff. I don't well, know what is real. Enough, right? So I saw That's Insidious. Two. You saw Insidious Part 2, Chapter 2, which I also saw. And it was not as good as the first one. Yes, that's true. It had got kind What'd of crazy, crazy did weird. Did you think it was, How? What? Did, beyond that, which, what did you think of it? I mean... I mean, the fr- that's the thing. Like this one, this one was much more like The Conjuring or something. There weren't 
like I always talk about the first one, how it's so visually arresting in some of those shots and scenes and stuff. And this one, I just thought, I mean, the it just one just felt sloppy in a lot of ways, like from story wise to just like the shots, because he's usually pretty. I mean, the Conjuring is better shot than this, I think. Well, I, I definitely like, think that. It felt but like I this is pretty quick or something. These movies, I think, he gets into his more overt kind of horror icons that he likes to use because he likes the dolls and he likes he really likes this halloween makeup kind of stuff right which especially if you look back to stuff like uh dead silence like james wan he really likes sort of overt scare stuff which can work like sometimes when they pop out the oogity boogity works yeah but i think that but i mean the thing about insidious why it's it's because it is pretty subtle and it is like well, yeah, because you see something like that, and then it's gone. Like there's there's never anything there, so it's the pop out scare, but it's like a hit and fade. When they and, pop out and they stay there, you you kind of start to lose something, and that's sort of what was going on in this one, where they would pop out, and I guess this is really a classic sequel problem. It's really goofy. They I mean, wanted. It's, it's very comparable to those like the after we've been watching all these nightmares, as goofy as those are in a lot of senses, where it's so overt and then the sky. Well, there's saturation. Right. You're exploring just... the idea, and by exploring it, it becomes less scary. You're actually learning things. It's like they had a sort of neat backstory for for the bad guy, but at the same time, the more the backstory you know, the less mysterious it is. So when you see these things pop out, they become confrontable. Right. Which is and what it, happens in the story. Yeah, and then it's also very, I mean, spoiler alert for anybody hasn't seen this, but it also becomes, when you learn, again, when you learn origin stories of scary things or why these people are following him, it's very arbitrary. Because, I mean, it, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole point of why he, like, he has a power where he can do this astral travel, like, Patrick Wilson's character is a kid, and he can do that, and that's what he passed on his kid in the first yeah, one. Yeah, which is kid and this one showing how he got in the second one, which they did a great job of finding a kid that looks like him, which is I thought was pretty impressive. It had the big wide eyes. Like, I think but, the flashbacks, the, all the people in the flashbacks did a good job. Of, but like, the idea is that he had this power, and he just happened to be in this one guy's hotel, like hospital room. And that, from that moment, that guy latched onto him, and that's why all this That element really bothers me, because they did that because they wanted to create this creepy backstory of a character who's like a serial killer who dresses in a a lady's black bride gown or whatever. And, like, it's really elaborate, the story. Super elaborate. To the point where they, like, tear a wall away, and there's just, like, a, a church pews... Of built bodies that aren't chapels decomposed and full of I love bodies. secret like, Wait a second. They're the best. Yeah, but like yeah. they, they should have been skeletons, but, and it's like forty years later. But yeah, later, they, they can't be smelling decomposition in there. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah, have they, smelled they, it after that long. I mean, they would have been and they're still like skin on their bones point. and stuff, which is really weird. And they like, become yeah. kind of instantly okay with it. They're like, oh god, and they're like, okay, so now what are we gonna do? It's like first thing you do is get the hell out of this. First room. thing we gotta do. Why yeah. are you walking around poking? Seal off this pool. Because the other part of that was Why the is reason Samuel that L. Jackson in this movie. When they broke off, what, the reason they broke that wall through is because they heard a knocking from the other side. So they're doing everything wrong. Yeah. And as soon as was they get to the, the other side, that, that well, they, hinted threat disappears. Cause yeah. Because it's not good guys that are knocking there saying, trying to lead them to this. It's it's bad guys. Well, and, that, and it's once they, I mean, it's the Things scene. Things that go bump in the night. Yeah, it's the scene mm-hmm. before that is when they actually find out that it's not the uh, the, the nice lady that led them there. And then yeah. they hear this banging. It's really scary. Like they got to get out of here. That's your point. And then Which they hear the knock. Question. They're like, well, "Let's go in there. I guess that'd be pretty fun." Well, it's <laughs> probably one of the good also, people now. How hard is it to say quesadilla? <laughs> Dumb. 
Oh yeah, that's see that that, that scene, scene drove me nuts because that, they literally said go in there with the weirdo. Oh uh, yeah, that's, and this is the safety word, and yeah, you're going to be listening. And as soon as anything weird strikes you askance, but say the, the safety word. And that's a horrible. See, that's just that scene right there. <laughs> strikes you askance. It actually shows well, how sloppy the not the safety word. How sloppy the kind of script is and the movie is, because they have a perfect joke set up. Because they say they make this like it's called I know. I it's quesadilla, for the whole time he's gonna or say quesadilla. it's like or quesadilla or unicorn. And I was like, well, With, whatever you want to say. One of those and, have been awesome. And they get to the point where they know it's weird inside, and then he comes back and he's like, "What do you got behind your back?" He's like, "Why don't you ask your dice?" And the dice say it's a knife. But it'd been cooler if he didn't see that that it said knife, and he said, "What do you think I have?" And if he had just said quesadilla, <laughs> he's like a quesadilla, and he's like, "Huh?" <laughs> because I almost think they shot it that way. Because the way the guys react, I think you've got a unicorn. The way the guys, yeah, exactly. re- you got a unicorn behind your back, or a yeah, the way the, the way the guys react, re- like what the hell are you talking about? The way the guys react in the car, like oh, there it is, and like, but they're just reacting to shuffling. I was like, it, yeah, it seems yeah, like they shot it that way, but it maybe says, maybe it came off like weird and funny or something. Safety words aside, what do you have behind your back is also a trigger phrase, right? Because he obviously yeah. says that out loud for their benefit. And he says because, his name, too. It's like, well, you know, whatever the guy is who's possessing him, his name is. I know, and he's saying... Hey, creepy crazy man, why do you have a knife mm-hmm. behind your back? And you're, why are you talking oh, about no, your crazy mother? Oh, no, that wasn't a safe word. I'm sure it'll be fine. Your mother's not a ghost. Your mother's alive. Well, they're just ineffective. Then they come in there, and they both get knocked out. And everyone gets killed. <laughs> like, if shit died. It's just kind of a sloppy shit. movie that way. That's why, because then they're all still in play, and then... And then they kind of miss an opportunity, I think, for the sequel, because at the end... What happens is, I just think it's kind of, I mean, I guess they want to get away from this family, and that's the point. Yeah, because they did kind of, you know, spoiler alert for real, but but they do kind of finally wrap it up where these people have some perceived closure. With this family. Which I, which I appreciate this as a sequel, because I don't... Until the next movie. Well, but then at the end, they have, a little, they have a little kind of teaser where the lady, where the two guys, and now they're followed by the ghost lady from the first one, and they find this other family. And they just walk in and they hear that creaking of that weird devil, Darth Maul guy. I know. And, and I like, thought... Quesadilla. That's yeah, there's... She, that there, should have been the last line of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I oh, thought... Oh, unicorn. But see, I thought that they had it set up perfectly, too, where they could have just led into that. Because what happens is they, when they go into the further and the dad goes and all that stuff and they're trying... Which is a cool part. That part is phenomenal. Where they're showing the stuff from the first movie. Like him banging, and it's like yeah, that's that, what that sort of that time part, travel that, stuff is kind of cool. How they that tie saved it all in. the movie, though. I mean, that made it like, but whoa, that they was still pretty sort neat. of make him ineffective because when he starts fighting, you know, the guy, is it a ghost? It looks like the Undertaker, <laughs> right? But I thought that was neat. I mean, that that was a cool, that was the coolest thing in the movie. I think I was like, oh, that is pretty neat. I mean, if they could have done more with that, I think would have been really cool. But what's funny is that the kid goes to sleep and goes in there. And he goes into a red door. And remember in the first one, the, you went into the red door. So I was like, oh, this is easily a mistake. He went into the same red door in that same house. But they're all going to get back and get saved. And they're like, where's the boy? And then they realize that he's been taken by that, you know, the devil guy again. I, I did. Like, That's how like you could have ended. That I, yeah, but that then, yeah, I mean, if you want to do like a trilogy thing. Yeah. But I do like the idea that they gave them all the way out. And the kid was kind of smarter than the rest of them because. Yeah, I just like. I just. I just. I don't like when there's something like tension being set up for that. I kind of wish they. I mean, they do that tease that guy in the end, but I wish that guy would have came in or something. I always thought that guy was well, kind of more freakier than. He's fighting that Undertaker ghost. He's almost getting his ass kicked, and then her ghost comes in and helps. It's like, at some, what, at some point, you have got to represent. 
Yeah, you and know? the thing, weird thing, too, is, like, apparently of all the kind of atrocities that are in the further and other dimensions and stuff, there's only two evil spirits in this whole world. It's that devil guy and this old lady, or the man old lady, and well, that's it. One thing that bothers me about this backstory for the sequel is what you assume in the first movie and what I believe their original intent was, was that because he could astral project, he attracted the attention of something out there in that world. And it started to come back. But then right, this backstory visited. suggests that something in the living world saw him. And well, it has exactly. like the most obvious ghosty setup where she's like, "How? why is that guy in the, the elevator, you know? He's supposed to be like, what are you talking about? He died yesterday. He's like, doo, doo, doo. Yeah, exactly. Because that's like, what I love the first one. Story. Because like, why does the receptionist on the first floor know that the guy on the fifth floor died? Yeah, see, that's the thing. And, the, one, the, and the, his doctor doesn't. The premise of the first one is so freaky. The idea that this kid like thinks he's dreaming and astral traveling, and then he realizes he's going in places where he shouldn't have gone, and there's these things beyond our imagination that are following him back. And in this one, it's like, oh, this is just like an old guy. He's kind of creepy and kills people, but it's like a standard kind of murder mystery kind of thing, and it's not even that scary. Yeah, where the first one was so weird. kind of just beyond what you know. It's, I thought it was a pretty original idea, and the first one I was like, "That's a weird, freaky idea." It's like, I think that's so you kind of want them to here, explore. But I think it got too convoluted. Gary, are you actually with us? Yeah, I just got an area. What's up? It's Gary. Hey. Have you seen Insidious too? I have not. Yeah, well, well I saw Insidious. Good, you should go back to your conversation. I saw Insidious one, liked it. Didn't know if Insidious 2 was going to look that good, so I figure I'll wait until it comes I, out in video. It's worth renting. I mean, it's not terrible. I, I mean, just think, there I are, think what they should have explored. And I have explored. to say, there's <laughs> one good scary scene. There's actually two things I'll give them. And there's one that is an extremely subtle, subtle kind of cool scary scene where when the crazy lady shows up, you know, Which they part? keep seeing her. <laughs> Oh, when they're well, like having it's, the flashback? it's when she first – it's like the second time that she shows up and she's just sitting in the living room. Oh, that's but great. But before yeah, the big reveal, shot. there's a great shot where you know the lady's just talking on the phone and she walks by the door to the living room and you can see past her. Yeah, the that's room. great. That's great. There, there's no music or anything. She just keeps walking by and you're like, whoa. That's like, what he's go- phenomenal It's real. Though. The ghost he would just- is there. The, the ghost is there. At some point, she's going to come in. The music will come in, and then everyone will know. But but you can already see that yeah, early great. in. It's coming that around. That stuff is that. wonderful. That's what that he's, is James a, Wan is so good at. And that's a good, scary – Like he also likes to pop out oogity-boogity. He really does. He likes Halloween masks and all that stuff. And those come out in this movie a lot more than – like I like The Conjuring because there's not so much a face to the baddie, so it stays scarier. Yeah, I just think, yeah, and they get into this and they show the flashback with the mom. It just gets dumb because the makeup looks it's weird. Too, and it's, 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 it's sequelitis. It's just too convoluted. They're trying to add too much to the mythology. To me, the best scene really in the movie, the only effectively scary scene, and you know it's coming because it's, it's such an obvious device, is where he's got like the two tin cans with the string. Oh, yeah, that's great. And that's, some, that and stuff's wonderful too where all the people are – yeah, that stuff's great. It's a beautiful – there's Seen a great visually moment. because the reveals happen because first of all it's just something in the closet talking to him and that's creepy because right. it's talking to him and it's talking in a creepy voice and and this kid I mean I don't buy the scene because he's like what, what are you talking about it's like you've been possessed you know get well, on the stick you know that the, this kind of stuff happens and he's, and this is one thing too we talked we've talked about before with like haunted house movies and stuff it's kind of more like the reason Insidious works is because when you do those things it's like why are these things messing with you or why are they there? And then the first one they kind of established, well, there's some kind of playful ones and there's some other ones. And then there's this other one that's just kind of leeching off of him. And that's why it's there. 
it's not like messing with the family and scaring them behind a door, you know. It's kind of just attached to this kid in his room and then kind of when they're in the bed in the living room talking about it, it you know, it knows it's talking about them and so it's there and it's creepy. Yeah, but this is no like this lady's just messing with them for no reason. Just like the you know, the mom ghost or whatever is just doing that thing to mess with her for no reason. Like why did they care about driving the mom into you know, it's just the first one, Even it's all... ghosts need some sort of entertainment. Yeah, but yeah. I just don't... When it does that, and then ghosts, it's just a cheap scare like because aliens, it's like... ghosts are all assholes. Well, it's like... It, and it's bored. It's like, why are you dramatically drawing this out? some humans. If you just want to kill them, just kill them. If that's well, the point. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess like, the idea is that they feed off of these excited emotional states so they, they build fear. Because that's what they, the demon thing is like, you know, the more you're afraid of it, the stronger it becomes. That's Yeah, sort but of it had an logic. end goal. And the other end goal of this one is just to kill the people or something. So it's kind of... I don't well, know. I, I never fully understood the mechanics of what they're saying. It's like, so the ghost that was after me was a dude pretending to be a lady who was a serial killer, but the ghost that is haunting Just us like right now is the, is the ghost mom. of his mom and not him? Yeah. And then you can't understand. I'm not sure what any of the agendas That's are. That's the now. worst scene in the movie is where all the scenes where he's in the bathroom and they have the ghost in the shower talking to him. Kill her, mommy. That's, that's yeah. horrible. They were just pulling out all the that's stops horrible. at that point. It's like you could have easily have done that without even showing all that. Yeah, it's just – it just feels sloppy. But there's some great stuff. There's some great scenes in it, better than the first, some great scary scenes. It's great. I still, yeah, I still thing. think in that respect it delivers. I don't. It's not as solid as the first movie, but it's definitely it's worth a rental. Watch. It's fun, and it has some good scary stuff. And I would go see an Insidious three if there, if you know, yeah. if you guys not, are going to bring some there. scary stuff. The problem is that without him making it, a, a part three could be completely. Well, detached. yeah, because, because the this only one thing was this written one by the same person who wrote the first one, and it's yeah. directed by the same person who directed the first one. So the, the guy that put the shorter paranormal investigators to get the writer of the movie and this movie but yeah the, the only reason this one even holds up is just because there's some great directed parts in it you know because he's so talented but the story is not very good at all yeah there's, so. there's i mean and you can accept that that's okay that's collateral in a in a, a horror movie. movie if it yeah. brings the scare and the story fails then you, it's still delivered and I think it just, it's still not very some... lasting the other one still sticks with me no the, the conjuring stuck with me forever yeah. And so this right. one just kind of like it's kind of toss away. So it's definitely yeah, it's worth a watch, but yeah. So. So Gary, have you heard all about the new Little Mermaid thing coming out? No. <laughs> huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got Greg's attention. You know Greg's here. Hey, hey Greg, how's it going, man? Hey, man. I I haven't seen Insidious, and I'm just I'm sort of here just window dressing. I think. Sean and I didn't say you guys could talk yet. Okay. <laughs> We're still talking. <laughs> We're still talking. <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, I heard there was something about the Little Mermaid, little, and I wanted to talk about it. Little Mermaid thing? Is there a Little yeah, Mermaid it's, thing? It's a, it just got released to... from the vault on the Blu-ray. It's the newest thing. Well, yeah, I knew it was coming out on Blu-ray. So. Ah, cool. Uh, is that all? A part of their manufactured scarcity oh, program. <laughs> They're releasing it for the vault for That's a limited good. time. Yeah, hardly anyone's seen the Little Mermaid. It's good that they got it out of that vault. I can buy it now for my girl. Mm. Yeah, well, it's funny. My mom had bought one off of eBay, and she gave it to me for Alex to watch. And it's um, but it's like all Chinese writing. <laughs> so it's like a bootleg of it. So now I can actually buy a Blu-ray of it. So I guess that's good. It's not the right version for me because I, when I was little, I actually watched the the real, <laughs> a cartoonized version of the real story that has you know the ending that 
is not everybody falls in love and has, gets married and is happily ever after. the one with all the nudity in so, it. Um, I don't think there was nudity. Not that I remember. Are you talking about Cinderella? No, it was just... <laughs> no, the Little Mermaid. Keep up. It's No, it's the version of the Little Mermaid where she doesn't actually marry the prince. He marries somebody else. Uh, and then she dies and becomes an angel. Oh, that's oh yeah, I've read that. I've read that nice version ending. before. Yeah, well, I, that, when like I was little, that was the Hans version Christian that I thought Anderson was the real version. version. <laughs> yeah, and that for me, that's always been the real version. And then I watched the Disney version. And I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> well, I hate to break it to you, but Pocahontas is probably not historically accurate. Yeah, either. no, don't don't look for historical yeah. accuracy in a Pocahontas. Disney animated movie. What? There's no talking trees. And they totally changed the history of Toy Story. You don't have so. talking trees in America. I always thought that America had. <laughs> Actually, that one was probably the most historically accurate. With it. You know, like Etch-a-Sketches yeah. and uh, Toy Story. Barbies and all that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rock and yeah, Sock actually, and Yeah, at least visually accurate. Yeah. At least the Disney version so, yeah. has the uh, penis in the castle. Of course. Yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. In, in, the, in the cover art, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that the new uh, Blu-ray is going to have a different cover art. I would, I would think so, yeah. <laughs> no, keep the penises in there. Kids need to learn these things. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's a subtlety. Penis sometime. Well, Ariel had to learn about it at some point. Don't suppose the fishermen have them. What? <laughs> what all's oh, on they? this Blu-ray? They don't even have legs. It's so weird watching those Disney movies and then you compare them because Pixar has kind of taken over, like what a you know modern Disney movie is now, but. They're so much yeah. more mature in story because all Pixar movies are about parenting. If you watch them, they're all about, they're not for little kids. They're all for adults. And they're all about like loss yeah. and growing older and all this stuff that kids don't understand. Like Man. Finding Nemo is a nightmare to watch if you're a parent. You watch it, you're like, oh my God. But all the older Disney <laughs> movies. Like lost all his kids. Like, you know, yeah, all the older Disney. Kids. Yeah, it's horrifying. And up at the beginning of that yeah. where he loses his wife, you're like, oh my God. And the kids yeah. are like, this is fun. There's balloons and stuff. <laughs> But, but finding Nemo, when you look at the biological accuracy of what actually would have happened in that scenario, it's actually more horrifying. Yeah, it, it's just hard. All their things, and Toy Story is just heartbreaking too. Toy Story 1, 2, and th- third one's horrible with kids leaving for college. The yeah. kids watching this have no idea what any of this is. They're like, it's a talking It made me feel really stuff. guilty about the toys I have sitting at home in my parents' right. garage. It's all about like It's all about coming-of-age stories. But the <laughs> old ones, if you watch, because we've been watching like, the old ones on Netflix, is and even like Little Mermaid, it's such an immature story. It's like she's just like, oh, I like him. He's pretty cool. I want to give up everything and just go with him. And just instantly I'm in love with him. And then they go and it's like, you know, and in the end, like the dad wants to keep her away. And it's just a very, they're they're very like immature. And they're not and very strong characters. She's like, I need to impress them so I can kiss them just for today. You know, it's <laughs> very, they're very male centric in the way that, you know, these females are. And it's just very interesting how they've shifted completely. They don't do any of those anymore. It's all these Pixar movies. Yeah, which I think are better, but it's kind of a good thing. Well, yeah. there's a market value to that. I think they realize is like if it's a cute animated thing, a kid will probably want to go see it. But if you, the hook is trying to get those parents to want to go see it too, because that's the deciding factor. If there's like three of these animated movies out, then the parent will take them to the one that appeals to the parent too. Right. 
So well, and they're not. But it's also the you, you can't take away the the youth factor, the teenagers and like twenty year olds. I, all of my friends and the younger friends, especially, are like, "Oh my god, this new animated movie's coming out!" Like the Despicable Me ones and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, the Igor mm-hmm. ones or whatever they are. They're all like so excited for these things, and that's a big part of the market. And even those, yeah, I've seen both of with the, the legitimate movie. Ones. Yeah, it's not just a kids' film or and a family about, film. It actually those are about has parenting too. They're all about parenting. If you watch it, when you like, you get you get that context. And you have kids, and you're like, "Oh my." God, this is heartbreaking. Like, what a. It's about him dealing with how well, to father the, the kids, <laughs> thank goodness that they, the kids thank just goodness think it's a funny, do that because bright be a movie. Snore, otherwise, you, you yeah. Can play on several levels. But the kids are just like minions. Those are funny. Yeah, like, Alex loves the minions, and they're just that's all that she cares about. She doesn't know anything's happening <laughs> in the story. And for the parents, it's a crazy horror story. And for the teenagers, it's just fun. They just they just get all right. of the jokes. <laughs> Works on every level. That works. Yeah, I mean, I remember as a child. Yeah, I'd watch like the old Godzilla movies, and it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized there was actually people in the movies. You know, I just blocked all <laughs> yeah. those parts out of my head yeah. when I was a kid. Oh man, yeah. you just chomped. Well, that's where you'd lose that's interest not, if you're watching a movie and they cut to like people and like, oh, yeah, exactly. That's like, like a, you didn't follow story or dialogue; <laughs> like you just dying. followed action. Turn him off. It's kind of like watching old Bugs Bunny cartoons too. It's kind of like, like watching The Walking Dead now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like the Bugs Bunny cartoons, it's like, yeah, you remember all these little funny things that Bugs Bunny did, but now you look back on it and it's like, holy crap, he just shut that guy in the face. What an ass. <laughs> what a total ass. Did, oh, did Pepe oh, yeah, Le Pew Bugs really Bunny just threaten to jackass. kill himself if the girl didn't date him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah Pepe Le Pew's also awful. I hated him. Yeah. Yeah. Bugs yeah, Bunny yeah. Is, a, is a prick. If you ever ever met Bugs Bunny in real life, you'd want yeah. to hate him. Well, yeah. <laughs> and he just like puts on a pair of boobs and everybody thinks he's attractive. How does that work? Breaks people's heart all the time. Mm-hmm. Elmer must be really short-sighted. Yeah. Yeah, adult's yeah. eyes, you said, my motive was uh, much clearer. Yeah, oh, yeah, Bugs Bunny really wasn't out to do anything. It's like just Loki. Make just gumming up the works. Yeah, exactly. A little trickster. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's kind of that's where he comes from. What an asshole. I mean, I understand, character. you know, his beef with Elmer Fudd asshole. is obvious. He doesn't want to be hunted down. Well, yeah. There's, there's, that's a, that's a righteous beef. Wabbit season, duck season, wabbit season, duck season. <laughs> oh, has anybody, did anybody see uh, American Horror Story, the premiere of that? I haven't seen any of those. Is there another no. one now? Oh, uh, the new one's out. Well, we'll have to catch up with that later. Uh. It's only got the one episode in. And I will watch that, by the way, because I watched the... uh, What's it about this time? Several episodes of Asylum. It's a coven of witches now in modern day. A lot of witch shows out. There's another show called Witches of East End that came out. So there's a lot of witchy shows. That's on Lifetime or something, isn't it? I saw the preview that when we went to see Insidious. I'll have to watch it. We'll have to to see if we can watch those and compare. They got a Dracula show coming out on NBC. Yeah, it's not out yet, but I'll watch it and see. It doesn't look good. The guy playing Dracula looks doofy. I tried to watch that Sleepy Hollow show, and I hate yeah, it. Well, yeah, that's okay. It's that. a weird thing of the week show is all it is. But it has some neat visuals uh, to it. it. They're trying to make a... I had some funny bits with the whole anachronistic dude, but apart from Why that... Why does he keep like, wearing the same clothes? I'm like, four episodes into this, he's still wearing the same set of the clothes. It's like, dude... You know, buy some clothes, wash some clothes. How can you be, keep wearing the same? Uh, they probably don't bathe as much back in your time, but we got showers now. Maybe it's wash some clothes. <laughs> what do you guys think about Agents of Shield so far? You wash your clothes in the shower. I like it. Okay, I've enjoyed Agents of, of Shield. It's it's getting it, it's going to take it a while to get its feet. The problem is that Joss Whedon is too big yeah. to head up a show now. So every time he launches one of these things, he well, outsources yeah, it. Yeah, I saw the first his, episode. His and it was circle. well written and funny. 
There, all the people that work on these things. I mean, it's the people who did like uh, Doctor Horrible are writing this thing, so it's not terrible. Yeah. But it's not when you think of the Joss Whedon seal, it's not quite that because he yeah. doesn't. He spread yeah. too thin. It's gonna need some think, time to warm up, but yeah, I think they what need they a character dynamic. It worth watching. It, it right now, like they need the, to kill a couple of people off and bring yes, in some superheroes. Yeah, yes, they do because I think uh, yeah. it, it looks to me like maybe the network got involved in casting or something because. All these little teeny boppers. Yeah, I think he always casts kind of weird, except for the the exception of. Well, well, Joss Whedon always does young hot kids. Except the exception of Nathan Fillion, I think he always has weird leading man. They're always kind of generic. Like yeah. in Dollhouse and in this, but Dollhouse like, was the start of it. Before that, he's pretty spot on with casting. Yeah, yeah they've always got yeah. Jor, and then Dollhouse, the that dude that he yeah, brought into in Dollhouse, like I, I didn't like him. I this like, guy feels like the like same like kind of thing. They don't seem Dushku. bad. They're just really generic, and there's nothing interesting. Yeah, yeah. and the characters yeah, are all archetypes. It's like these two are like the nerdy scientist types, and th- this guy's like the beefy, hunky, super soldier. He hit it out of the park. Nathan Fillion is like a hacker. Even in today's world, we still use that, like, quote-unquote, hacker as a generic. It's like, is there really such a thing as hackers anymore? The real question is, are there such a thing as really hot hackers? Super hot. Like, she's the only character I want to keep. I reckon they're going to kill off Coulson. I hope not. Coulson is definitely the glue that holds the whole thing together. I think he, they're using him. I think he's going to be the Sean Bean. I tell you exactly what. Yeah. Coulson, I don't think so. I think Coulson I mean, is a robot or he is a clone. I'm telling yeah, you right now. Clone? Yeah, that's the thing Coulson, they're like kind of leading up to. Because yeah. in the first Coulson episode, clone, they do this tease. Whatever he is. But in other episodes, they keep doing he these little hints know. that he's something other. Yeah, like it's, it's not, a magical place. He's not going to be just playing Coulson. There's but you know what? I kind of like no, the, the... That's going to be the fun. I like the explanation they give in that first episode about what Nick Fury did. Like he just... Yeah, I was serious when they just put me nice to you because that makes it seem... I think that makes Nick Fury's actions in the Avengers more credible, not such like an asshole where he's putting the blood onto the cards. Because it's like, oh, he knew he was all right and in the hospital. Now I'm going to play these guys and get him to do this. Yeah, I don't know. This you guy's going to end up being like a clown. Yeah, but if he was actually dead, he was just being a bit of a bitch. He was just being real callous with that because he was still kind of joking about it. You know, with, it's, what's your name? It's a here? fun show, and I can see it being good. The first episode bothered me because they brought in, uh, was it J. August Richards? Is that the name of the guy who used to be on Angel? And I thought, oh, cool, he's on the show. Meh. And then I was like, oh, wait, he's not on the show. He's just the dude in this episode. And then I thought, oh, my God, is he going to be like, he's oh, got yeah. superpowers. Is that Luke Cage? Is he going to be Luke Cage? That'll be awesome. No, I he's just him back. He's just some guy that's got a mixed cocktail of every hackneyed idea from every other Marvel movie we can yeah. think of. It's got gamma radiation, it's got and it's got extremists and... in it, and it's got super soldier formula. Oh, stop. Jesus Christ, we get it. This is tied in with the Avengers, right? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> like everything. It's got DNA from Bruce Banner and Captain America all rolled into one. Oh, and he's, a, he's together. a god. It was pounded together with Thor's hammer. It's like, stop. Jeez. One strand of the Scarlet Witches. No, not the Scarlet Witch. They're well, calling her that Scarlet now because they can't. That's so weird. They can't call her the Scarlet Witch in the next movie. Why because can't they? Someone else owns the name, but she's just going to be the same character. That's fine. They don't really go by That's their weird. monikers that much. One yeah, strand of the Black Widow's characters. hair. She just has to be like a hot redhead with powers. Married yeah. to a robot. We'll call her the Crimson Wicked. Crimson Wicked. Wait, no, that's, that's Crim, the Wasp. Crimswick. She's, no, the Crimson Witch, isn't she the one that's um sleeping with her brother? 
Oh, is I don't know. Quick, is it Quicksilver? <laughs> is that just the I thought she was. I thought Quicksilver was her brother, and she was married to. Uh, what's his name? Someone help me out. The android guy. Vision. Oh, I. That's that sounds version. right. Yeah. And he's like a robot. Maybe or that's just the ultimate version that they're sleeping together. I don't know that she's sleeping with him. He's got that kooky I hair. I saw. <laughs> I read an article about. He's got inputs on outputs. Sort of thing happening. I don't think that's going to happen in the movie. <laughs> While Wolverine were watching, no, I don't think it will. But you know, could be fun. They won't even bring in Ant Man. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. They could push some boundaries. Yeah, Sister I know, right? banging superheroes. But he's supposed to be a douche in the comics, isn't he? Well, in some versions of the comic, like I don't think in the current stuff they get into it, but I thought I read it in earlier versions of the comic, he was like a wife beater or something. Yeah. Wow. I don't think that they explore that okay. in the modern interpretation of the character, but I think that came in somewhere. Yeah, I heard that. I never read a comic where that was the case, but I heard that. That would be interesting. Some like someone who's a superhero, so you've got to like, oh, they're a superhero, they're awesome, but they're actually morally reprehensible in their day-to-day life. Yeah. That would be a little bit interesting to get into. Because they got like they try to do that a bit with Tony Stark, and he, you know, he, but he's just a bit of a drunken well, douchebag. Do he's always with, got some uh, emotional reason. Hancock movie too, like same kind of idea. Yeah, but so he was just yeah. and then a jackass though, like not fantasy. like. Yeah, that'd be a hard sell as a character whose alter ego goes home and actually just beats his wife up. Yeah. Because yeah. the Red Sox. But lost. it would be more interesting. <laughs> you see, yeah, they're doing good. those um. They're like developing those two DC shows or NBC, like a Constantine show and then like a Detective Gordon show. That's going to be weird. Gordon. That's oh, really? an interesting idea. Yeah. Interesting. Constantine. That's the, almost the, like a DC version of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What bothers yeah. me about Constantine exactly. is <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that character's name is Constantine in the yeah. comics. And like he was British. And then they made that movie and they called him Constantine in the movie and they got Canoe to play him. And I got Boof to be the sidekick. So that movie actually turned out a lot Boof better than bad. you would imagine. I thought that was a pretty decent the movie. Components. It it's a decent movie. But you're like, a Constantine yeah. movie starring Canoe with Boof as the sidekick? First of all, have you guys not heard the Boof Canoe rule? Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to start the apocalypse yeah that. i think but i mean that one could be weird but the <laughs> detective gordon one could be interesting like a full-on there's no i, I wonder I if constantine could be good because you've got the whole you know demons and oh stuff yeah there's going all kinds on. of fun stuff you can do but it's gonna be like angel like basically the character though. from the comic though you know what i mean like make him sort of just an, yeah. an asshole brit british because it takes a lot away from the character to make him american not that I'm, i don't want to see canoe yeah. with an accent we've seen that go wrong all sorts of ways <laughs> but we just didn't want to see Canoe in that movie. Yeah, just hire James Marsters. He'd do the same accent he did in Buffy. Uh, no, how about we get an actual British guy? No, you don't do that. Just saying. <laughs> no, no, British people can't act. That's fine. That's fine. If an yeah. actual British guy, he'd talk with a southern accent. Yeah. We'll hire a British to play a Brit when the Brits stop playing Americans in every damn thing. Yeah, when he stops being Superman, for Christ's sake. Yeah, for real. That's a hard line for an Aussie to take. Your people are coming over here but left and right. There's, and there's just American don't. people playing. There's American at the moment the playing Sherlock Holmes. Jobs. I don't think you people can get so. Directing jobs. Well, at least it's a, it's an American Sherlock Holmes, though. I mean, yeah, it's it is kind of weird how they make off. him in America, and it's an American version, but they still make him British. It's kind of it's very strange. I haven't even seen that show. Is an American Bridget Jones? Is is a Johnny Lee Miller or American or, or is he British? 
in the elementary Who? show. He's supposed to be. I don't watch that. Is that what Lucy. we're talking about? It's got Lucy Liu in I it. I think he's British. That's what I'm saying. Is he no, actually that actor? Is Sherlock he actually? Holmes. I know, like we had Robert Downey Jr. Movies. do it, being the American. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Sherlock, but I don't know if John Lee. And now there's a British guy player. playing an Australian in the new movie about the Julian. Oh, Cumberbatch. Assange. Assange. Yeah, the Fifth Estate. Yeah, he's playing an Australian now. I know. I'm sure that's going to work out well. People need to know. Here that makes me want to punch him, and I like that guy. You guys talk the same, don't you? And then he's playing a yeah, dragon. Accents is accents. Yeah, really. And everybody knows that dragons are American. Yeah. <laughs> Slothful and greedy. Oh, that was... There's a lot of things that made me angry about the Alice in Wonderland movie, the Tim Burton one, but the most angry I was was casting Christopher Lee as a Jabberwock and giving him two lines. <laughs> really? Christopher Lee? Two lines? One of the best voices ever. Ugh. All right. Angry, angry me. You can go to tv and listen to other episodes. And I'm Sean. <laughs> we have uh, four five good night. <laughs> Everybody at the same time. One, and two, the three. Rest. I'm Andrew. Alright, I'm Dundee. That's Andrew. That's Lynn. Howdy. That's Greg. That's Gary. There you go. I thought I, thought I had a team, but I was a man alone. All right, no. <laughs> face, face is on the map. <laughs> man alone. Right. <laughs> that Good world. This has been TV8 My Dinner. Don't forget to visit our forum at www.forum.tv8mydinner.com.